Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, welcome to the Ohioan. It is Thursday, June 10th. We have a whole house with us today, which is great. I got Brandon in, Craig. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. How are you? Very good. Um, Brandon, uh, exciting news last night. Um, were you waiting by your door in case Mike the Wine came by to say hi? Uh, I had company over, so uh, no, oh. I did not. Okay. Well, it was interesting. Uh, another round of Vaximilian winners. Uh, congratulations to Mark Klein from uh, Richwood. I, I wasn't sure where Richwood was. It, it's actually in the Marysville area. Uh, it's down here by Columbus. And then Sarah, I believe, Athena or Athena uh, from Sheffield Lake won the college scholarship. And kind of interesting night. We've been kind of sitting here wondering, how do, how do they find out? And apparently last night, and maybe it's because, um, you know, uh, Mark Klein lives close to Columbus, the DeWines knocked on his door. Um, he had an interview with 10 TV News last night, and they're like, how did you find out? And uh, he said, I heard cars outside the house, and his wife looked for the ring doorbell, and they said there was a bunch of guys in suits that were knocking on the door. And apparently they walked to the door. He recognized one of them as DeWine. And the one said, hey, congratulations, you won the money. Uh, and they actually came in the house and watched the announcement with him on TV. So apparently they were there before 730. Now, you know, Brandon, I want to win the, the million dollars. I'll be excited, I guess, if we get a visit from him. But my wife doesn't like unwelcome visitors. I mean, you know, she'd be freaked out about cleaning up the house and everything. Uh, what? How would you have felt if you got a... Surprise visit from the DeWines. Well, as I said, I had company over. So, you know, it was last minute, kind of a little bit last minute. Kind of expected, but a little last minute. So, naturally, um, Tuesday night up until like maybe 11, 11.30, midnight maybe, I I was cleaning the house, Chris. Okay. (laughs) My house is sparkling, so DeWine could uh, happily come in. (laughs) Okay. Very good. Um. I kind of wonder, would you have said, hey, sorry, Governor, I already have company here, you know? You just want a million dollars, Chris. Uh, you know, okay. you can you can say, hey, Governor, I'm sorry it's a little messy. We didn't expect company coming over. <laughs> right, but or you already had company there. You know, come on, you know? You know, that's like if I'm driving around your neighborhood and I see a bunch of cars around your house, you know, What's going to happen if I come in? Hey, Brandon, looks like having a party. I'm here. 
you're probably like, hey, dude, I invite you, man. Go away, you know? I don't know, I don't know, Craig. Would you have welcomed to wine in even if you were having other people over? Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, he's giving me a million dollars, so yeah, I'll, uh, you know, I'll cook him dinner if I have to. <laughs> so your standards are high. You know, hey, you got to bring a check, Governor. You know, <laughs> you can't well, come by just that high. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that he would show up to my home without a check. Without a check, I mean. I can't imagine he would come to my house without telling me I've won, but you, know. well, you're you are always me. invited, Mr. Governor. You cover Fremont on a daily basis. I'm sure you've written about the wine in the past, and yeah. you're part of a podcast that talks about the wine a lot. I mean, yeah. man, yeah. if the wines of Fremont, he wants to visit somebody. I mean, the, the Craig's house would probably be in the top five, right? You're well, influential. He he might he might decide to visit me. I mean, it's uh, he's always welcome. You're always welcome. Craig, Craig doesn't even Craig doesn't even cash the check. He puts it in a frame. Yes. <laughs> and then the story. I think I would probably run to the. I, I would. Well, I don't need to run to the bank because I can just cash it on my phone. But I would <laughs> I would cash it very quickly. Okay. Yeah. No no framing. Well, hopefully it's not one of those checks that you have to scan. I mean, that'd be kind of a hard check to scan on your phone. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if they give an oversized check. I mean, it would be interesting. I actually reached out to Dan Tierney. Uh, hopefully sometime next week we can have one of those guys on. Um, I just want to ask questions about the process, you know? does he bring? Do they bring a check over? Do they just – do they do direct deposit? You know, do you give him your routing number and he's like, a, bing, it's done? Is it a PayPal transaction? I, I mean, Brandon, I've had issues in the past. Uh, we have a uh, someone who's coming to her house to uh, cut her kid's hair, and she only takes Venmo. We don't have a Venmo, so I have to run to the store, uh, run to, through an ATM, and, and grab cash. What if, like you know, the state only does Venmo? Uh, would that be a problem? No, I. I think you know anything. Any alternative to a piece of paper that could fall through your fingertips and fly in the air and down the street, <laughs> you know, it's probably a uh, uh, better alternative. But you know, uh, that's why they do the big check presentations so that you know, one, you have some nice big thing to take a photo of, and then uh, you know, don't, then there's no guarantee. There's no you don't lose a check. <laughs> it's not even a real check, of course, but it's just for on the bigger ones. But uh, yeah. It, um, um, I think there was a story about a check presentation where someone used the actual check and it got lost in the mix or the shuffle. Oh, man. That'd be rough. <laughs> well, I remember the old office where they had the fun run, where they were raising money for diabetes, where they almost spent more on the check than the money they raised. Because, you know, buying an oversized check costs some money, you know? So it makes it tough. But I don't know. I, I don't know. A couple of thoughts about the Maximilian. I love how Columbus was represented, Brandon. I mean, you know, I, I felt a little left out. You know, we had a girl from Cleveland who lives in Cincinnati win. We've had a dude from Toledo. Hey, Columbus got its representation last night. How about that? Yeah, yeah. We're getting we're getting quite close to my to uh, my name spilling. You know, Mark Klein. It's like, you know, first name's way off, but we're getting close to the second one. So now I expect to... Get that knock on the door uh, next week, you know. I'll, I'll tell my wife to make some food. 
just in case. Do you guys think there's a Cleveland bias? I mean, you know, the girl who won last night, haven't heard much from her. I'm assuming they're going to have, like, a press conference with Andrews, these people, uh, today. But, you know, the girls from Sheffield Lake, that's in Cleveland, who won the um, um, the scholarship. Uh, the girl last week was from Mayfield Village. That's a suburb of Cleveland. And the girl won a million dollars from Cleveland. Man, Cleveland's got a little bit too much love. They got the big back site at Cleveland State University, Wolstein Center. My I mean, goodness. with only five oh. entries, I mean, for at least a million, you know, it's, you're bound to have skews as one city over another, I'm sure. So Maybe, Brandon, we should have had a more high-profile back site. I know you can get at Schottenstein Center and everything, but, man, Cleveland's getting all luck. Maybe our chances would have been better if we had – like at Ohio Stadium, maybe a big backside or something, you know? That's a thought. That's a thought. We didn't do it, but that's a thought. <laughs> I wonder when, you know, if you get that visit, you know, if you, you win the scholarship or the million dollars, you know, Fran's there with Governor DeWine, which is always great. Um, do you get the – does Fran bring black guy? I mean, that would almost be as good as the million dollars, I'd imagine. Well, maybe not quite as good as the million dollars, but I'm sure Fran's Buckeye recipe is probably pretty cool, but uh, I don't think anything would trump a million-dollar check. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, you're not going to say, hey, forget the million. You can keep that. <laughs> keep it up, Buckeye, Fran. Yeah. But, you know, that would be something. You know, it would be pretty good. I, I wonder how awkward it would be because I don't know if, you know, you know, we're a friend of show is Dan Tierney. I'm not sure how much, you know, Mike DeWine's heard of our podcast or has thought of us, but I wonder if one of us wins. What's the chances that the podcast comes up? You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> you know, it's an awkward, awkward, awkward discussion. You know, he comes over, hey, you won a million dollars. You know, and you're making small talk. They're going to say, hey, what do you do? And maybe if they say it's Brandon Klein, they're like, oh, you're on that podcast, right? You know? It's possible they might do that. <laughs> Maybe that's mean? when we, I asked, yeah, you know, was, hey, let's we go and ask the governor to do, hey, let's do a quick emergency Ohioan podcast, governor. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Ohioan. Yeah, just quickly call us, hey, governor, you know, can you look at our camera? Message you guys like, I got the governor with us. Yes. <laughs> we interview him instead of him interviewing us, I guess. And, and the governor quickly walks out of the room. Yeah, he's like, hey, you know. A board, a board. Yes. <laughs> Dan Tinney's like, oh, there's an emergency. He's got to go, whoa, what's emergency? He's got to get away from you. You know, he yeah. just runs yeah. out of the room. Well, I've kind of wondered, too. I've asked embarrassing questions. I've been told not to ask these again on the podcast, but I, I, I wonder if that would make the conversation, like if I won with me and Fran awkward. I mean, maybe this is one uh, visit that, I, the government makes on his own, you know. <laughs> Fran, you stay home. This is going to be awkward. <laughs> this guy asks a lot of weird questions. <laughs> I'm going by it'll, it'll be just me and Dan Tierney this time. How about that? Yeah. I wonder if, like, if your name gets drawn, if they say, well, maybe let's draw again, you know, maybe because they didn't like yeah. your uh, comments. So or, or maybe, uh, let's draw again. We didn't, we don't, we don't think this one's right. 
Or maybe we could invite our friend of the show, uh, Greg Borton from America's Got Talent over. I mean, yeah. you know, he reprise some of his jokes. So it'll be fantastic. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I got to be honest. It, you know, it's been fun to talk about on the show. I am getting a little bit depressed, though, because I was really hoping. And yeah, we all want to win. We got two more chances. Or we wanted, like, a friend of ours to win. Or maybe somebody notable would be fun to talk about. But I got to tell you guys, there's only two more drawings left. And the chances that us or somebody we know or maybe somebody funny that we could talk about is going down by the minute. I'm getting a little depressed here. How about you, Brandon? I mean, it was more fun with five drawings left. Yeah, I mean, it's this thing seems to have some sort of... Um, it's interesting how much attention the latest winners have gotten. I think it's like where I finally hit number three, and that's when attention's like... It's just local media <laughs> or state media. I don't know. Maybe I'll find a New York Times article today. I I, I think it's kind of um, um, simmer down. I mean, but that's was was kind of expected. I think that's when I'll win. Week five, nobody cares. And oh my gosh, that'll be perfect. <laughs> be we, awesome. don't need, we don't need the press conference. We're good. Yeah. Where do you work for? I work. Oh, you already work for the media? All right, just send a Twitter message to your media friends about how you feel, and, you know, we're good. We don't need anything else. It should be good, but, man. And come on, Governor. We got to have something else exciting to talk about with COVID once this vaccine million ends. I mean, I don't know. You know, we got we to keep your creative ideas going, you know? Uh, I mean, it's going to be kind of boring after vaccine million ends. We'll just be talking about COVID numbers and everything. So, what could be the next thing that keeps our interest, Craig? Any ideas? Well, I wouldn't be opposed to another set of lottery, uh, assuming that they've. I, I I can't imagine that they haven't at least thought about doing another set. Maybe held some money back for for something like that. Maybe they just do a, a lottery of a, a, maybe a little bit more modest uh, victory. So. Maybe not a million dollars, but maybe a lottery nonetheless. And I wouldn't be opposed to another another round of lottery if they're, you know, if it gives your opportunity for more victories, you know, for more people to win money. Why not? That'll keep people's interest if they keep doing lotteries. Not, I don't think they can keep doing them over and over and over again. But they certainly could probably, you know, start up something again here maybe sometime in the next couple months. Brandon, maybe that's why um, the governor kept talking about, hey, we're looking to partner with companies. What can companies give? Maybe it's going to be a lottery of stuff. You know, today's lottery is sponsored by Best Buy. Here's a flat screen TV and a DVD copy of Spider-Man. How about that? Um. Maybe not the DVD copy of Spider-Man. That might not I be mean, good. I'm thinking, are you trying to encourage high schoolers? Yeah. <laughs> comic book nerds like myself? Well, yeah. I, mean, I go out and get vaccinated again. <laughs> well, you can have a different theme day for every day. I mean, hey, you know, there's tech people. I mean, you know, if you have a Best Buy day, you know, tech people are going to run and get vaccinated. If you have a... I don't know, food day, you know, the foodies run out. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, $1,000 Jenny's gift card is up for grabs today. Oh, man. Think about the sponsorship, you know? 
lifetime subscription to Columbus Dispatch. How about that? You know, we can get on it. It'll be great. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, hey, you know, congratulations to the winners. Um, I'm sure, you know, if they have the press conference today, which they probably will, uh, for work, I'll be watching with great anticipation. It should be fun. It should be very exciting. So, um, let me um, share some good news for you or some, you know, some friendly advice. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. Um, you know, we, we always talk about Chase Bank. And I know you say, hey, I know the details. Well, why haven't you signed up yet? I mean, hey, if you want ease of banking, especially during a pandemic, try Chase Bank. Um, wherever you're listening to this podcast on, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts, you know, Spotify, wherever it might be, or if you're on the website, click on the link, sign up, attach your direct deposit, you get money. Last I heard, 225 bucks, try Chase Bank. You know, it's more for me. If you want to be like me, you know, try Chase Bank is good, but you know, we trust it's going to work for you. Uh, try Chase Bank out today. All right, um, other stuff going on. I just got a lot of news yesterday. Um, the state house has had a lot of hearings. I mean, that's kind of what they do. And there was a, a hearings on uh, COVID restrictions. And, you know, um, there, there's been questions on uh, can employers make their employees get the vaccine? Um, you know, there's still some questions about, you know, do we need a COVID passport or whatever the case might be. And I don't know if you guys saw this video. Um, you know, Republicans brought in some people. Uh, to say, hey, these are why vaccines aren't the best idea. And there's a lady, she's based in Ohio, um, and she's wrote a book called Same No to Vaccines. Um, Dr. Sherry, uh, I believe, Tenpenny. Uh, Craig, I, I, I heard, is that your doctor? No, no. I, oh. <laughs> not my doctor, no. Okay, I, I, I thought, you never know. Well, uh, she's a Milburn Heights uh, woman from Cuyahoga County. And she says, look, I've heard that if you get the vaccine, you get magnetized. So, you know, metal objects will stick to you, um, which obviously doesn't sound right. And kind of comically, if you, if, if you look at the video with it, uh, there is another nurse who was trying to, like, the first um, object kind of stuck to her chest, but then she tried to put something in her, her um Chin, they kept on falling down. It's a great comedy. Brandon, what are we doing here at the State House? I mean, hey, I'm open to other opinions. I'm not saying we have to only talk about one opinion, but when you're having people with, uh, I think conspiracy theory would be polite. I'm probably a little off, might be a better uh, term, coming up and saying things that aren't even just conspiracy theories. They can even prove it with demonstrations. When they have a fork in their hand, what are we doing here, Brandon? And and this is a Republican invited person. This isn't just like your city council meeting when somebody runs it off the street and yells and screams for five minutes to let them talk and they sit down. I mean, this is a a political invitation. What what's happening to us? Today? Um. <laughs> um. That's a good question, Chris. Simple question. I don't know. I, I was a little bit taken aback to see that such. So I saw. I first. I heard. It's sad that I saw this um, more about the actual comments before I realized I even heard, saw that it came from Ohio, which is kind of sad. 
Um, you know, I guess it's safe. Maybe the only takeaway I can say is not all doctors are monolith and think that the same way, but there are a few fringers. In fact, I think that's what I, what I, I always like it when somehow, um, not really answering your question at all, by the way, but just like, I guess the only takeaway I have from this is just, uh, is that throughout this whole pandemic and even before then, you've always had this thing where people are very focused on a person's ethos in an argument setting and just saying, look, this person's a doctor. You can trust him. Uh, if you scrutinize that statement, you might look at it and, say, and it'd be like, oh, they're a dentist <laughs> or not to say dentists don't do important work, but if they're commenting on cancer or something, then maybe, maybe you should kind of take that back. I mean, uh, there was a great debate going on between um, uh, the folks uh, between Bill Knight, the science guy, and, and uh, one of the champions of the of creationism, and um, and the very first thing the uh, I forgot the man's name, and I apologize for that. Um, but interesting, the very first thing he almost started out his debate with was highlighting, "Look, here's a scientist who believes in uh, Genesis," and that's always been like kind of the um, approach to approach to dispelling science that they don't agree with. Um, it's just saying, look, we have someone who's, who's like you, who's who, who he is a scientist. He's a doctor. I mean, during the COVID uh, early eight stages of the pandemic, you had uh, a group of doctors come out and trying to feed into the, Oh, this is a pandemic. Um, this is what I, I so I, I guess I'm coming, looping around trying to say, look, you have another person trying to, again, um, um, you know, again, trying to use their ethos, um, trying to use their background profession, saying, look, I'm a, an authoritative source on saying uh, the COVID uh, vaccine this time, I guess COVID's real, but don't take it because you'll become Magneto. <laughs> um, it's, well, I guess um, oh, sorry. Uh, that's where we're, well, I guess just to tie, tie it all, tie, tailor it off there a little quick bit is just, um, if you look at this particular person, I, I kind of got annoyed with the headline because she's an osteopathic doctor. So I don't even know if that's like, you know, uh, not to say that's not a bad profession, but I'm just kind of curious uh, how that how that ranks up with the other MDs. Does she have an actual medical do doctor degree? But um, I even still, I mean, I, you know, even if she does, does is she still practicing? Those are questions that I have as a reader. I guess the only thing I would say to what you said is, look, Creationism is a widely held religious belief. And yeah, to believe in that, you have to accept a belief that you may not have a scientific fact right directly behind it. But look, you know, this belief's been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Uh, you look at what Dr. Tenpenny, which, what a name for a doctor, I'd say. But yeah, you know, I can't criticize based on the name. But, you know, it seems like with some of these conspiracy theories, like, you might sit and say, okay, well, this has been out there since vaccines started. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's not it. It just seems like every week there's something new. And, you know, it's one thing if the doctor, if you watch that video, it's one thing if she says, I did scientific research, and, man, they're sticking to your body. It's like, well, did you hear? Did you hear? And everything. And, you know, that's not conclusive. I mean, you know, think about that for reporting. You know, if your story is always like, well, I heard somewhere that. I know we use anonymous sources. 
but good reasoning is based on, hey, I've got this belief based on, you know, this, that, and that. Or, hey, I'm looking at the scientific data based on here, here, and here. You can't get up get up on a, a hearing that is helping determine how um, our legislators are going to vote on upcoming bills and just say, well, I heard this. I mean, you sound no better than, uh, you know, goofballs on the Internet to just say, you know, stuff that's out there. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think there is a difference there. Um, I don't know, Craig. Um, to me, and again, I, I know people listen to me and say, oh, he's one way or the other politically. I, I just think it's very crazy when a political party is putting out stuff like that and not even saying, oh, they're talking against COVID vaccines. But when they're talking about scientific theories, they can't even show during the testimony. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you've got to have some type of legitimacy. You've got to have some type of, wow, there might be a point here. When she can't validate what she's saying two seconds after she said it, I mean, that's just a logical, enormous fail, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I guess my biggest question is, you know, did the Republicans that invited her to this testimony, did they know that this was going to be her argument? And if that's if, if that is true, then can we know who the Republicans were that invited this woman to testify? Because I, I just I can't imagine that anybody would say, yeah, that's what we want to run with here in our defense to anti-vax is to say that you'll be, you know, you'll become magnetized because there's metal in the shot. I mean, who invited her and why? I mean, you know, it, it's, you know, whatever you, whatever your final thoughts are on her after her testimony, she has like almost a hundred thousand followers on Twitter and PolitiFact wrote a story about it saying that she's one of 12 influencers responsible for 65% of anti-vaccine misinformation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So I just, it, I think it was, it was very neglect, you know, neglectful on the part of the Republicans that invited her uh, to really spread truth or at least provide information as to why they are anti-vaccine in a more believable way. I mean, they just, how do you, how do you green light this and say, we want this message being broadcast to all of our representatives in the state of Ohio, which then in turn is on video and everybody can watch it if they want to. And now everybody has seen it in the country because it's so outlandish. And that's what this woman probably wants. I mean, you know, she's got 98,000 followers. She's an influencer on anti-vaccination. And this is what she's talking about. So, something so simple that can be debunked, and it was debunked on the floor when they were testimony during testimony. I mean, it, it's just it's it's very neglectful on the part of everybody involved here to have someone get up in front of our leadership in Ohio, get up in front of people who are watching on the Ohio channel for for someone to take any bit of time to talk about this and think that this is real when it's been disproved and it's not even remotely true and brandon i yeah very valid and brandon i take back what i said last week yeah it's ridiculous in hudson if you're censoring somebody for 
sharing a story about how, how slaves helped contribute to the first Civil War. I mean, that was crazy what Hudson did, and they got what they deserve. But man, if you're a political party inviting someone in to talk about COVID vaccines, yeah, definitely check out what she's saying first. Don't just sit there and say, wow, she's an influencer. She can say whatever she wants. You might want to check out that speech before she presents it, would you think? You would assume that some vetting goes on, but I don't know if it's just kind of the strategy. Is that a good question? Is the strategy just throwing muck at the wall and seeing what sticks? Um, you know, and really, really and truthfully, it's like, you know, the best argument we, we kind of saw in, in stages of pandemic is really just trying to say, really scrutinizing the percentages, the statistics and saying, well, the, the statistics that indicate they're really low enough um, or, um, you know, the rate, you know, um, really like people are really being nitpicky with the statistics and kind of bending them trying to fit their narratives. And that was really tough when you're trying to engage in discourse about, you know, how serious the pandemic is. I mean, you got people, we have, you, I could even, I'm happily to tell people, look, we have over or just over maybe five, uh, half a million people died from this disease. And you'll surely have someone snap back saying, well, the, those numbers aren't trustworthy or, I mean, it, you know, not really, um, um, you know, uh, you know, there's probably some, some, uh, probably many of them are, you know, we were labeled as COVID deaths, but really it was death of another symptom. Um, and um, I think that it's interesting that they were, were that the message I get from that is we're willing to have one one death. We're willing to allow, we're willing to accept one, at least, at least you know, around like one to two deaths, COVID deaths. Like one, one COVID death is one too many. But then like when it's flipped over to the vaccines, like, ooh, one incident or whether it's magnetism, I say that jokingly, don't, that's, I haven't seen a case of magnetism or, you know, other serious issues like those blood clots, you know, which again, one or two, I mean, it's interesting. They went from one case, uh, uh, one cut, we can deal with a few COVID cases, but we can't deal with one, one hiccup or two with the vaccines. Um, it's, I just hate how we're all, everyone became a, sta, a, a statistician, uh, a st statistician, I can't pronounce the word today, uh, overnight last year. And um, trying to come off and say, I'm more of an expert. <laughs> and um, now they're trying to find these pseudo experts. So it just kind of rankles me uh, on how the discourse has been for the last year. We know what's going on. I mean, let's be honest um, here. I mean, there is on one side of the political battle, you know, there is an appetite for saying things. You know what I mean? There's an appetite for, if it sounds ridiculous or not, hey, you know, yay, you know, Dr. Tenpenny, she's telling it like it is, or, you know, we like talks like that. But when you look at how ridiculous it might be, maybe that fuels one side right now. But you got to think about, okay, what's the long-term effects on your political party? I mean, you know, hey, maybe that's the best way of reaching your base right now. You know, uh, put up Dr. Tenpenny, however, say her feelings. Uh, you know, maybe that works right now. But you got to think, what happens two, three years from now? I mean, we're going to look back at this. And even people who support that right now, I mean, is there a danger that they're going to be like, 
what the heck? <laughs> you know? We were crazy this time. Why are we talking about all this stuff? You know, there's got to be a a certain point where you know there's going to be a fallout. You know. Well, let's just let's just put it this way, Chris. To put that into context, as to you know, how does this make the Republican Party look? In the state of Ohio, we're at a forty-six percent and change vaccination rate, which means less than half the people don't want the vaccination. So I don't know that you're going to get a lot of blowback from this from the Republican Party or towards the Republican Party, because I wouldn't be shocked that even if they are, even if a normal person living in Ohio was watching that or has heard about this, what was, you know, the testimony, maybe they don't agree with it, but maybe it like gives them a little glimmer of like, oh, well, maybe that's why I shouldn't get the vaccine and continue not getting it. Or maybe it's just, you know, hey, this is a doctor. She knows what she's talking about. So I, I don't know that there's going to be any long-term issues for the Republican Party by having this woman come in and say a bunch of false false things about the vaccine because it seems like it's kind of falling in line with the majority of Ohioans that just continue to not really care too much about the vaccine or just be anti-vaccine because it's, you know, We may have lost Craig there, but yeah, no, I definitely see the point uh, Craig's making about, hey, that might be the tone. That might be what's being said right now, and, you know, that seems to be what they're trying to endorse. Um, hey, um, Brandon, let me give some um, quick advice while I think Craig's trying to log back in. Um, yeah, let's talk quick about Ashley Holmesford, guys. Um, you know, hey, we need furniture. We need to have... Um, you know, we need a better way of getting furniture. You know, check Ashley Home Store. Um, lots of great locations. Again, click on the link. And that's the important thing. Click on our sponsor links. Click on the link on our uh, podcast uh, webpage or our podcast provider page. You'll get a savings right away from uh, Ashley Home Store. You can shop online. You can maybe pick out your favorite three online and go to the store and buy it. Or, I mean, how do you want to do it? And there's great delivery options with Ashley Homesort. Uh, you know, check out Ashley Homesort. We're excited about uh, the services they offer, and we thank them for being affiliate sponsor with us. Uh, so check out Ashley. And, and Craig, no problem. You know, we understood what you were saying about that seems to be the tone and uh, kind of what Republicans are kind of looking for right now. And, you know, I guess if it worked for them, it worked for them. But, you know, like we said, We'll see what the, the fallout um, is from that. All right. Well, thanks for your patience today, guys. I appreciate it. Um, what did I talk about this? Um, kind of interesting. And, you know, we're journalists. We're armchair uh, PR people as well. Um, there was an announcement made, and strangely, it was made at 530. Um, you know, the governor's race is coming up, and we were – We've heard of a lot of people who might be interested in challenging Governor DeWine uh, in the Republican primary. And one guy that we've always heard about is Jim Renici. Um, We knew he was considered running. A, he made official, threw his hat in the ring last night. Uh, but, man, uh, Brandon, I just wasn't surprised. 5.30 on a Wednesday is an odd time to announce your governor's <laughs> race. How'd you yeah. Do um, I, I I don't know. Uh, seven o'clock in the morning. 
Just kind of go and knock on people's doors. <laughs> or, or maybe Surprise. put that tweet out. You know, maybe, I put, uh, maybe I do a vaccine, uh, do a my own million dollar lottery campaign, and the winner gets gets to where oh, uh, not only the award, and I jump on everyone's bed and say I'm running for governor. I don't know. I don't know. There's a right way to do it, Chris. I mean, the only worst time to announce would be. You know, that Friday news dump, you know, do it Friday at 7 p.m. or something. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, it's the third Maximilian. Um, we all knew he was running. I mean, I don't think it's taken any media blitz away from Maximilian. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I highly strange. I mean, I, I, Craig, what's your guess? I mean, is it because we, I guess we knew he was running. It was like a surprise candidate. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly doesn't come as a surprise. I guess uh, from our uh, journalism perspective, we can appreciate that it was not a Friday news dump, although it was sort of a midweek news dump, you know, at 5.30 in the after, you know, in the, in the early evening there. So, um, you know, I mean, he's not someone that no one, I mean, people kind of know him and he's run before. So, you know, I, I, I guess maybe that's why he does it at five thirty on a Wednesday rather than make even a bigger you know bigger deal about it or whatever. But you know, I, I, this is not unexpected. So and it's probably not unexpected that it was him to throw his name into the hat. So I think everybody's probably thinking it's about time that you decided to enter this race more than anything. Well, and you know, hey, he announces been on WTAM. Um, you know, maybe he got booked at five thirty. You know, maybe he couldn't get booked early in the day. Maybe that that was it. Yeah, that's possible. I don't know, and, and you know, either one of you guys could jump in. We could talk about this for a minute or two. Um, you know, you know, we, we've already talked about Jim Jordan. You would think that you know he's interested in staying in national politics for various reasons. Yeah. Um, I think there are some downgrades to maybe some smaller state reps like Anita Vitali running for governor. I, I mean, I'm not sure if that is a name that would win. Um, you know, Jim Renici, he was in the U.S. House for a while, but I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I don't consider Renici a really powerhouse name. Is this the best um, that, you know, mainline Republicans can come up with? Or can you guys think of another name that might be a little bit more appealing maybe to more people than Renici? Well, it seems like it has to be to go up against Governor DeWine. It seems like maybe it has to be someone that's more of a retread that other people already know as opposed to hey, let's have some up-and-comer try to challenge him because I think the idea that an up-and-comer would probably unseat Governor DeWine is probably not likely. So my guess is is that they think of, um, well, let's let's have someone that, that some people know, maybe most people kind of on the fringe know him, and, you know, he's a retread in politics, but he's someone that might be able to win an election. So... I don't know that you're ever going to get anybody that's like brand new to the game running for governor in a, in a hotly contested primary. So this is probably the best of the situation, you know, from the Republican standpoint. 
Um, you know, Brandon, his last race, uh, he ran against Sherrod Brown. Uh, he had lost by six points, and you was, might say, well, that's pretty close. But, you know, Ohio's been pretty Republican recently, so six points may as well be 60 that he lost by. And, you know, in 2018 when he ran against Sherrod Brown, uh, he spent $4.6 million up against Sherrod Brown's $27.8 million. Um, and, you know, um, there's an analyst who in the story said, I'm not sure if his heart was ever in it. I mean, because he, he wanted to be governor, which I guess is fine. But, you know, when you make that type of showing and that type of fundraising, I mean, you know, the thing I hear about the wine is the wine gets the money. And I know we're not excited to talk about money in politics, but if you're raising six times less than your opponent, you're not going to win. Yeah, well, that race was really not – it was never really uh, Renacci's to win because of um, – it was last minute um, partly because of Josh Mandel dropping out of the race then for family reasons. Um, so, um, yeah, it was sort of like um, – oh, I don't know, sort of – a given there, but you know, we'll, we'll see how this shakes up. I don't know if, again, if, you know, I guess it does come down to, does Bernanke excite Ohio voters? And that'll be a question. Then again, I, I really didn't know who was more exciting between DeWine and Cordray in the general, but um, apparently it, um, so it's, it's just like Ohio. Sometimes you think Ohio voters are kind of like this cipher and it, it's like Sometimes you think you know them, and then they surprise you a little bit. So um, they, if but if any safe, um, given any safe, it's going to be interesting to see if it's just between two. Like where where is where's the Ohio Republican base going to be at? Is are they behind Dewine's orders, or are they more behind uh, whatever Renacci will offer them? I'm assuming he might probably go more the uh, more right. I would assume it'd be very strange if he was just saying, "Yeah, Dewine did everything right." Um, Unless he went more left and said, "Oh, you know, Dewine needed to shut, do more shutdowns." I don't know. I don't think that's likely either. So um, we'll see. Well, he's already saying some, you know, anti, you know, Dewine stuff. Like, you know, he would never hire Amy Acton, and you know, he's trying to send a message. You know, if you're a Trump voter, use your guy. You know, where you know, I hire this magnetism know. person is probably. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kidding. Fake news, people. I'm just making a joke. <laughs> well, and it, it's interesting. Um, you know, in the 2018 Senate race, and, you know, I forgot about that. You know, he became a candidate when Josh Mandel dropped out, and there's some questions why Josh Mandel dropped out. But if you remember, I'm, I'm looking at this from a taste dispatch story. Uh, you know, he flew in a Cleveland strip club owners playing to some campaign events. And, you know, some people questioned him on that. Uh, people said that he never reimbursed the owner for the flights. And um, Renichi responded, the man owned a strip mall, not a strip club. And he was quoted saying, all he would do is laugh at that. And, you know, he had some ties with uh, North Canton businessman Ben Serez. And if you remember, um, Serez, uh, there were some allegations that Serez was falling money. Um, through employees to donate more money to um, Renici and um, Josh Mandel, who were running at both running at the time. 
So, you know, there's a limit on how much you can give, but if you, you know, call your employee in, give that money to your employee, and your employee starts making contributions, I guess it's a way around it. Not legal, but it's a way to try and get around it. I don't know, guys. You know, God bless Renichi and Serez and Josh Mandel, I guess. But why is it that we keep hearing Josh Mandel and Renichi? I mean, these guys are just kind of keep hanging out, you know? Well, like I said earlier, it's just kind of the retread. You know, you you sort of know what you have with them, I guess. I mean, maybe you you think you do more than you would with someone that's brand new to the game, or at least, you know, even if it's someone that's known in their area, but they're not really known outside of that. So you have two guys here that people know that don't necessarily live where they're from and, you know, so that's it's just the retread. It's like uh, you know, sports leagues with coaching. You know, you just retread old coaches until they retire because they're too old. And and this is a, uh, you know, politics is kind of like that where you sometimes you get the upstarts, but they have to start small and they have to build their way up and and gain that credibility before they can run for governor. So that's why you don't see a lot of, you know, thirty year old you know first time state reps run for governor you need someone that has a little bit of cachet and you know not that these not that mandela renacci have have that necessarily you know oozing out but they have it a little bit where people know who they are and they've run for things and they've they've held offices before so i think it helps when you're running for governor to have a little bit of a name recognition behind it yeah, it is name recognition. I, I kind of question them on overall their winning percentage, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, it's one thing if you could say, hey, you, you know, and that's something that people like Sheriff uh, Brown or Mike DeWine have going for them because, you know, they've served in other capacities. Um, you know, Brown had an office before he became um, senator. You know, DeWine was attorney general. Uh, so, you know, you could sit there and say, look, I've served Ohio. It's not like I just ran for office. All these years, hey, I've served. You know, I've done this. I mean, no matter what you think of people's politics, it is a powerful, you know, thing you could say. I don't know. The other guy that people are, are championing on the right wing side is uh, Joe Blystone. He's a cowboy wearing uh, farmer from Canal Winchester with no political experience. How about that? <laughs> well, good luck. I mean, it's it's hard to win these races with no experience or name recognition. So. I mean, otherwise, it's to me, it's just kind of spending money on a campaign that you have very little chance to win, probably. All right. Well, let's close with, uh, with this. I mean, maybe the three of us, one of uh, three of us, could run on the Republican side. How about that? <laughs> I think that's what Brandon's secretly hoping for. What do you think, Brandon? <laughs> Are we running out of one ticket, like <laughs> for like? What? It could be like that. It's it's always something in Philadelphia episode where um, I think it was um, Charlie and uh, Mac were trying to get a job and they applied for a job together and they were like, "Hey, you only have to pay. We'll share a um, you know healthcare account." And the employer was like, "Deal," you know, because you know you wouldn't have to pay as much and you know it's, it's cheaper to pay one healthcare account. How about that? The three of us could run as kind of like a triumphant, uh, three-headed monster, and they wouldn't have to pay us. You know, they could pay us each a third of what the governor's salary is. How about that? 
Even better, like, I could go on vacation and you guys can hold the fort up one week and sign bills and yeah. <laughs> rotate. Yeah. And, uh, right now with the governor, I'm not ripping Governor DeWine, Dan, if you're listening to this. Um, you know, we'd like to have one of you guys on next week, but, you know, if you have one governor, you got to go on vacation sometimes. Hey, if we have our idea with a three, I don't know how to say this without sounding weird, a three-headed monster, I'll put that like that as governor, um, you know, Brandon's exactly right. Nobody's ever on vacation. Hey, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, two of us can be on vacation at one time, and if nobody's on vacation, man, you got three guys doing the work of one. How about that? Well, we can do it. I feel confident. It, it should be good. Um, so vote for us. I'm not sure it'll work out. <laughs> I'm not sure if Ohio's running to that idea. They're probably running... They're probably like, okay, let's go Renici or, you know, Mandel or Jim Jordan over this. But, hey, we'll, we'll see what we can do. All right, a couple quick notes. Uh, again, check out our content. We've got a, um, you know, a bonus episode. You know, if you subscribe to us, um, you know, our information on how to subscribe is with our podcast. Um, and, you know, we got content coming. This is our last uh, new show of the week, but... Uh, Craig's got some pop culture content coming up weekend, and I got a show with Paul and, uh, and Joe we did earlier this week where we talked about, oh, just a lot of stuff. I mean, uh, we talked about weddings. I don't even know how we got into the topic of weddings, but we were talking about uh, there was this uh, lady who there was this big argument in the wedding party, and she only gave one chicken tender each to 200 guests during a wedding reception. And we talked about issues cheap, and man, Joe and I kind of reflected back our own weddings. And I don't know, we, we tried to have fun. It was supposed to be funny, and we ended up griping about our own lives and kind of a lot of painful memories. And I, I don't know. If you like to hear me in pain, listen to that podcast. It'll come out this weekend, too. Uh, so definitely check out. Um, yeah, a couple real quick notes. I wanted to mention this. I'm not sure if you guys got to check it out. I like America's Got Talent. I'm sappy. I like, um, you know, the emotional stories and the goofy comedy and everything else. Uh, check out um, Jane. Uh, she's from Zanesville. She was on the other night. She performs as a pop singer named uh, Nightbird, and she was amazing. Um, she has cancer. She's claimed, um, Her story is she has 2% chance of survival, and she keeps singing. And she's got a positive, inspirational story. Um, she's very known in the area. I wrote about her yesterday for Dispatch. I guess she's got a lot of connections in Columbus, Newark, Zanesville, all over the place. Um, great story. Um, I actually reached out to her last night. We'd like to have her on the show sometime. Um, and just a lot of things going on in our life. And I'm glad that she had a, a great moment in America's Got Talent. She won the Golden Buzzer. Uh, they have an audition phase, and if you uh, won – Person per show gets a golden buzzer, which means she advances directly into the live round. So next time you'll be able to see her is in August. Check her out. It was a, a nice moment. Uh, we have a link to my story to dispatch. If you click on that link, there is a video of the performance on there. Uh, definitely check it out. Um, you know, we talked a lot about medical marijuana in the past. Um, I don't know. Any surprises? There was like three new... Uh, conditions that were allowed for medical marijuana. Anything surprise you guys? No, not really. 
Um, Brandon, do you think we'll ever get to the point where we're just like, okay, it's allowed? You know, it seems like we're kind of inching toward that, Mark. Uh, I mean, it's. I think medical marijuana will be around for a long time, and I, I, I don't really see much of an appetite to switch to to go for full recreational um, quite yet. I mean, I think it kind of really is more contingent upon um, whether how employers handle that handle handle um, handle that still. You know, um, it yes, if if you're if, it takes about three days, I think, to get out of your system. And I think that's what's causing a lot of discrepancy between those who, who use it to use marijuana recreationally and those who also are in the workforce. So, um, that's like kind of a safety issue. I think once you get over that hump, then I think, um, you might see recreational in Ohio, but, um, and as far as what I mean by getting over it, I guess I'm just saying like, it, maybe we switch to a four day work week or, you know, is that that becomes more the norm, then maybe it's a mute point then. Um, um, or remote work for, it's mostly, I think it's mostly like kind of like those blue collar manual labor jobs. So, um, yeah, I, 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 as far as medical though, I'm sure they're going to be just adding conditions throughout the years. Um, maybe it'll be a more of a blanket slate eventually for, um, it could possibly be, but, or it could just be, we'll have like a list of a hundred conditions, <laughs> one or the other, one way or another. Um, yeah, I, I kind of wonder about that because, you know, we're changing. Uh, okay. We talked about defunding the police. And again, I feel like I'm saying this every time I say defunding police, we're not talking about taking every dollar away from police departments. It's a change in how police departments operate, how they proceed. I mean, I think there's always going to be some type of a police department, but the funding is going to be different. I mean, I think a lot of uh, cities have already talked about that and are already moving that direction. I think you're clearly seeing that in Columbus and everything. And I bring that up with medical marijuana because, I don't know, tell me if you agree with this. I really think that as police departments deal with changes in funding, they may push back and say, hey, if we don't have the monies that we used to have, it's getting harder and harder for us to prosecute, um, you know, recreational marijuana. And I think that's might where you see – that might be where you see a big change in how the rules go for medical marijuana or even recreational marijuana. It's just saying, hey, if it's something that we can't prosecute – Maybe we just change the rule. It's not worth prosecuting. You know, who knows? Well, a lot of, you know, cities have kind of decriminalized marijuana for recreation to, to the point where, you know, maybe it's confiscated if police are, are finding it on the streets or on someone. But instead of going through the court system like someone normally would, a lot of cities are going to just maybe citations or, they're just confiscating it and letting them be on their way. So uh, in a lot of ways, it's already kind of gotten to that point where they're not really as concerned with marijuana at all anyway at this point in some cities in Ohio. Well, you're right. It's come to that. I'm wondering if it can be a statewide issue. And again, you know, it's not even a question about whatever people think the morality of it. It's just a practicality. I mean, I... I mean, Brandon, I'm really seeing that with as 
funding the police department changed, the police department's pushback is like, hey, there's certain things we can't do. I mean, think of it with journalism. I mean, you know, our newsrooms look a million times different than they did uh, 20 years ago. And, you know, smart newsrooms are saying, look, we can't cover things the way we used to. We can't go to every city council and everything. They make that change. And, and Brandon, I mean, I'm not even saying just for marijuana. I think there's going to be some other things where police say, hey, look, we can't do the attention that we did in the past. So, you know, is this, this, and this that big of a deal? I mean, hey, you know, we're going to focus on murders and, and uh, more bigger crimes and some of the stuff that you want us to prosecute for, you know? I'm sure there's always going to be some kind of change in that kind of enforcement or approach. And, um, and, um, but you know, like I said, it's still evolving and I think it's, um, you know, um, um, just kind of have to kind of consider, um, I really think the biggest obstacle really is really more on some employers concerns, but like I said, well, time will tell. And I don't know, I'm, you bring up a good point. Um, I'm still thinking that, you know, I, mean, I know, Brandon, you're going back to work, and every company has a different idea about how they want to do it. I know with Gannett, um, it's funny. You know, Craig and I have talked about this. Um, some newsrooms, the buildings have been sold. And look, you know, these places are owned by companies, and, you know, companies want to make money, you know. And, you know, we've gotten to the point where, our newsrooms are pretty lean. You can't really cut more reporters, so you got to cut some over overhead. Sometimes that billing itself can be overhead. And I really think as we come back, not just news, I think it's other companies. You've seen that in State Farm. They used to have a huge headquarters out in the Newark area, and they, they told everyone, work from home. I, I, Brandon, I don't know. I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the future as a money-saving tool for companies. We might, we might. I think it it's still got some generational hurdles. Um, so you know, I think it's, I think it might remote work might eventually. I think it's got a good kick. The COVID pandemic has given the work the workforce a good kick to push for that direction. But I think it's, it might simmer after, um, you know, because there's just some gener- some. I think older generations prefer working in the office. You know. Um, so, but, you know, maybe as uh, millennials and um, um, and other younger generations start taking over leadership positions, you might see the culture start to change. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know here with my company, I, I don't see, and I, I don't know what the lease arrangements are. I mean, I, I think the Columbus Dispatch stays where they're at. Um, I, they've got a really good location and, you know, they invest a lot of money in covering the state house. It's right near the state house. I mean, it's a good place to be, but I can see other newsrooms, other companies making that change. You know what? You know, we talk about investments. Maybe as a podcast, we need to either invest in coffee shops or co-working places. I mean, I think as uh, COVID kind of simmers, those places are going to be popular. You know, a co-working place could be a place where your company could hold a staff meeting or, if you have a client visit or anything else like that, and coffee shops. I mean, you know, some people are sick of working from home, so I bet you, as you know, health orders keep subsiding, but you know, Starbucks might become really popular places in the near future. See, I'm giving you guys investment advice, this is great. So, 
maybe we should do this on the free show. Maybe, Craig, maybe you and I need to do a um, premium show on investment advice. We can give this out. <laughs> and at least you got to pay our subscription rate so you can get this free stock tips. You know, right, well, that's an option. We'll, we'll have to keep that in mind. All right, anything you guys want to mention before we close up shop for today? No. Brandon, anything on your mind? I mean, we're we're getting closer to a Columbus Crew um, new stadium opener. Um, I, I'm seeing there's contests where you can win some tickets. Nothing new to report for now. Yeah, nothing new to report. M- maybe Brandon could do the live from game one at the new stadium. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Yeah, that'll be great. Um, provide some, you know, game day coverage. It'd be fantastic. So, all right. Well, thanks everybody for checking out the Ohio win again. You know the drill. Click on our sponsors, buy their stuff, share us with your friends, share us with other people. It should be great. Craig, you look like you're going to sleep. You gotta wake up. Another <laughs> big day. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right though. Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, thanks for checking out the Ohio win. Um, uh, for Brandon and Craig, uh, have a great day, everybody. Check out Craig. Uh, Craig, you got pop culture stuff coming in this weekend, right? Yeah, we've got some stuff with uh, Bob Garver and myself. Um, although it doesn't look like uh, I'm going to be with uh, hanging out with George this week. Unfortunately, I haven't heard back from George on a show, and uh, certainly he gets pretty busy with his job at the Akron Beacon Journal. So, uh, unfortunately, well, I, I haven't heard back. I know the Browns are having some practice this week. I saw a George um, byline on a Grady Williams story, one of the Browns players. So I'm assuming uh, George is kind of tied up with that. But yeah. That's fine. We we welcome George back when George can come back. It'd be great. Yeah. All right. Th- thanks for checking out the Ohio and everybody. Have a wonderful day. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.